Hey, this is Lucky Yates. Hey there, this is Jimmy Simpson. Hello, this is Brad Sherwood. Hi, this is Claire Coffey. This is Andy Daly. Hey there, this is Kevin Durant. Hi, I'm Chris Barnell. Hey, this is TJ Fines. Hey y'all, this is David Hoffman. You are listening to Next Level Radio. Have fun. It's time for the Showcast. And now, here they are, those pop culture junkies and your hosts, Ben Beck, Adam Gorey, and Steve Richards. All right, everybody, episode 36 of our third season of the Showcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network is now underway as we bring you another Showcast Spotlight uh, I am Ben Beck, joined tonight by Steve Richards, and tonight we are joined by someone for the past, who has for the past 12, man, 12, 13 years, if not more, has been part of the TNT Network, uh, starting first on the, uh, the full run of The Closer, and now he can be seen as part of their spinoff show, Major Crimes. Please welcome to the program, Philip Keen. Philip, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me today. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, did I get that right? Has it been about 12, 13 years now for like the full run of both of those shows? Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. I mean, we had seven and a half years of The Closer, and now this is the fifth season of Major Crime. So all told, it's it's almost on 13 years. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know f- as far as uh, you, you mentioned about like seven and a half years on The Closer, and now you guys are into the mm-hmm. fifth season, Major Crimes. I know a majority of the cast kind of made the transition to, um, you know, the spinoff of Major Crimes. Um, was it difficult to make that transition, or was it pretty seamless, you know, moving with a bunch of people that you had already been working with? It was actually pretty seamless, and I have to credit the writers and producers for making that, making that so. Um, they already knew the characters that they were working with, and they knew there'd be some resistance when we lost um, our leading lady, who was uh, the fantastic Kira Sedgwick playing Brenda Lee Johnson. And so they used the character of Rusty, oddly enough, to stand in for the audience. And um, in the opening episode of Major Crimes, Rusty's sitting in Sharon's office, Captain Raider, played by Mary McDonald, and she is sort of the, the new, what I would call the, the wicked stepmother, kind of taking taking the place of our, our mom or our glorious leader who's left. And Rusty's having nothing to do with it. He, he wants Brenda back. Um, he doesn't like her. He doesn't know her. So he was, in, in many ways, voicing what our, our fans were, I think, feeling at the time. But through getting to know her more um, and building the relationships with the rest of the cast, Rusty and the audience, I think, felt more comfortable with all of us. So the transition really was pretty seamless, actually. Yeah, I know, uh, you You know, you mentioned the fantastic Kara Sedgwick, uh, and I know another person that you had worked with as well on mm-hmm. uh, The Closer was J.K. Simmons. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, ha- has there been ever been an opportunity or even any talks of having them at least, like, cameo uh, into, into Major Crimes? Well, we refer to Chief Pope still quite a bit, so he is technically still there, although he's still not on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Kira has been busy uh, doing uh, films and directing, and I think she's doing something currently with her uh, with her husband, Kevin, um, I think up in Canada. So I don't know that she would make a return. I mean, it's certainly within the world of possibilities, but uh, nothing so far, nothing, nothing concrete. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I know before getting the role on The Closer, you, you mm-hmm. were pretty relatively new to acting. Um, 
how nervous did it make you taking on the role like this? You know, it's a major cable network, uh, but it's also your first role. Um, Was it nervous? Were you nervous taking on a role like this? I wouldn't say nervous. I I liken it more to being terrified. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was working with such heavy hitters, uh, again, J.K. Simmons, Kira Sedgwick, uh, G.W. Bailey, and um, everybody kind of took me under their wing and, and just let me make the mistakes as I was making them and, and encouraging me along the way. So, yeah, I mean, to say I was green is an understatement, but um, I think over the last 12 years, I've, I've earned my place in the show. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'd say so, too. Um, when you first took the role, did you have any idea uh, that it would become as long-lasting and as huge for the network as it, as it has become? I didn't know that it was going to be as long-lasting, but during the filming of the pilot, I certainly had um, a gut instinct that this was going to be a fantastic show, and however long it ran, we were going to have a, you know, a great audience reaction. That, that much I felt for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's we, just been amazing. Even, you know, we're 12 years in, and switching time slots, um, and you know, some of the characters have changed. Our audience numbers keep growing, which is really remarkable in this market, as I'm sure you guys know. I mean, as uh, the industry's changing, it's harder and harder to hang on to the viewers. Yeah, certainly, I can. I know what you're talking about there, and uh, when you talk about the the acting and being into it and all that stuff, the I was looking at your resume, and most uh, actors' non-acting resumes, anyway, they include things like waiters and other things like that. But yours mm-hmm. includes. Flight attendant, is that, is yeah. that right there? So how did that come about? Uh, I was actually in between jobs. It was the, the uh, first time I'd ever quit a job without having another one to go into. And I found an ad in the L.A. Times back in 1987, and Pan Am was hiring. And I spoke Spanish because I'd lived in Central America for a couple of years. So um, I did all three interviews in the same day, and within three months I was on a plane to London. And uh, for the next four and a half years, I was just flying around the world and, and um, just having a great time. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it, is there a favorite place that you've either – I don't know how much time you get to spend being a flight mm-hmm. attendant in the actual cities, but <laughs> is there a favorite place or anything like that that you've gotten to, I guess, experience or travel to? I think two of my favorite places right now are uh, – and that I, that I found, out first, found out about first when I was flying would be Argentina and Paris. Um, I also spent a month in Rio on – I had four or five-day layovers there, which was kind of crazy at the time, but it was fun. I'd leave midnight on a Friday from Miami. I'd get there Saturday morning. I'd have five days out by the pool or the beach, and then I'd fly back to Miami for 24 hours and then do it all over again. So. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sound like the worst job hanging out on the <laughs> I was just going to say no, the same not thing. At all, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, of course, the, I guess the other side of being a uh, flight attendant is there has to have been some kind of nightmare passenger story that – you have, then there's one that sticks out that you just, every time you think about it, you cringe, and now I want that story. (laughs) I was actually attacked by a passenger once. He put his hands around my throat, this this (laughs) older man um, who kept going from the economy section of the plane up to to business class. I didn't know what he was doing until I realized that he was so drunk he could barely stand, but he put his hands around my throat and blamed me for World War II. (laughs) Yes. So you could, you could, you know, he had to be out of his mind to be doing something like that. So yeah, I think that was the most—I um, don't know—the most threatening thing that ever happened to me, other than losing two engines um, mid-Atlantic in, uh, during a flight. Wait, 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 wait! Other than <laughs> losing two engines on a plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but we were we were trained uh, for for safety 
in a really big way. So I wasn't too concerned because we still had two engines left, but we did have to turn around and make landfall um, in Gander, Newfoundland. And I've actually been there twice uh, for, for similar reasons. Uh, two of the engines had caught on fire. The pilots put them out, and we had to turn around because they determined that it wasn't safe enough for us to continue on to London. So it was a little bit of a scene like from those um, airplane movies. I had people screaming and throwing things around, and a woman grabbed my arm and said to me, you knew there was something wrong with this plane before we took <laughs> off. And I calmly looked at her and said, Madam, do you really think I would have gotten on this plane if I knew there was something wrong with it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I gave her a couple of mini vodkas and she was okay. <laughs> Has any experience like that ever, I mean, at the time, did it ever get you close to just saying, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore? The only thing that, that ever, the, the thought that crossed my mind was when, um, in 1988, December uh, 21st, uh, the Lockerbie disaster, those were all friends of mine that I'd worked with, and most of them I had seen the day before. And that was the only time that I might have questioned continuing with that career, but um, I felt safe with the company. I really did. And I yeah. loved everybody that I worked with. And I just had a great time. So I, yeah. I stayed. Yeah. And it was Pan Am that you worked for, right? Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't even think Pan Am's not around anymore, are they? No, no, no. December 4th, 1991, at about 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, they, they closed the doors. Well, that shows you how much I fly. It's been almost over 20 years since they've been around. Oh, wow. and I had to question right. it. Yeah, things have changed a little bit. Yeah, then. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I know you studied history and art history at UCLA before, you know, finding your passion for acting. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm curious when you're, that seems like a bit of a jump, but what gave you that bug or like, what, what was it that gave you the bug to make you want, want to pursue acting? Well, it was something honestly that I had always wanted to do, but, um, growing up in the circumstances that I did, it was never a practical, uh, pursuit for me. Um, I, I started working full-time when I was 12, working in restaurants. Uh, my mom and dad had a couple of them. And, um, by the time I finished high school, I was already working full-time. So the, the idea of pursuing something like that just never was never a guarantee, and it, as it isn't for anyone. But um, it wasn't until I was well into my 30s that I decided to go to school and um, get my degree. And during that time, I thought, you know what, now is, the, now is my chance. If I'm ever going to pursue this, this, this is going to be it. So I started taking acting classes and doing student films and workshops, and I was lucky enough to meet the people that I did, and they opened doors for me, and um, I walked through them, and, you know, luckily enough, here I am still, 12 years later. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. definitely a successful run with, you know, with, uh, as we mentioned, The Closer and, uh, and now Major Crimes. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, I'm glad we're getting into Hollywood here because I was I was actually watching the Emmys last night, and uh, Jeffrey okay. Tambor, of course, he won another one for his role in Transparent. And during his acceptance mm -hmm. speech, uh, he mentioned just giving trans actors a chance. And then I saw Laverne Cox uh, from Orange is mm -hmm. the New Black. She echoed the sentiment. And I'm glad I'm getting to ask you this question because you seem like an articulate guy here. <laughs> but I'm wondering <laughs> about your thoughts and experiences maybe in regards to the progress being made or maybe even improvements needed uh, between the LGBTQ community and uh, Hollywood? I think there's definite strides that have been made. Um, if you look at the, the representation that we have on screen, I, I think it's, it's quite evident. Um, we're no longer the, um, the butt of the jokes or, or the stereotypical sissy um, or puff, as the English like to say. Um, but... You know, I was watching um, most recently How to Get Away with Murder, and they have 
a great deal, a number of characters on that show, and two of them happen to be gay. One uh, appears to have been bisexual at one point. It doesn't seem to be an issue. It's a, it's a non-issue, but people, people are just themselves. And, and I really do think that we've made great advances, especially in the last 20 years. I can remember um, trying to get my first apartment with my boyfriend and being refused because we were, we were told that they didn't rent to two men. And I knew exactly what that meant. Sure. Um, you know, being bullied in high school and things like that. And I think, again, we've, we've made a lot of a lot of progress, but there's still more progress that needs to be made. So, um, I'm not too, I'm not very familiar with the transgender community. I've never really had much experience with them, so I'm, you know, I, I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I was just, I was, I actually was thinking, um, if you thought that maybe there would be a kind of a bigger gap between the transgender community and then the, the lesbian gay community. But, um, cause it seems like you think, cause your, your husband, um, you, he's a coworker. Yeah. You work with him. Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. On the closer. So it yeah. seems like, um, there has been some, some bigger strides made just within the, the lesbian gay, as opposed to the, to the trans community as, as yeah. far as Hollywood's concerned. For some reason, there still seems to be, um, a greater stigma with that aspect of our community, and I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because people can't quite figure out who people are, and, and people love to put labels on people. You know, they need to, they need to be able to identify who or what they're dealing with, and I don't think that's always easy for people. Yeah, and what it sounds like you're saying is that what's nice about with the the gay and lesbian actors is they're not just playing gay and lesbian characters anymore. Where mm-hmm. that, that transition maybe still needs to happen with the with the trans trans actors is kind of what it sounds like you were getting at there. Absolutely right. Yeah, I think you put that into better words. Than I, <laughs> I was able to. But that's exactly my sentiment. Yes. Yeah. You know, I made the joke early on that um, I'm I'm the, the gay actor taking the very brave stance of playing a straight character, and be damned if it ruins my career. But here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I know, uh, you know, still sticking to the, you know, the Hollywood side of everything. It's not unheard Mm -hmm. of for actors uh, on a show to occasionally take the reins from time to time and get behind the camera, which, you know, your character, Buzz Watson, that's that's nothing really new, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, you know, behind the actual camera that's filming you guys on major crimes. Is that something that you think maybe you would want to play with sometime down the road is maybe direct an episode? Definitely. You know, the more um, confident I become in, in uh, being able to analyze a script and, and take it apart and see all the different pieces coming together, uh, that is something that definitely interests me. When I first started on The Closer, um, again, because I was so green, what I did to try and familiarize myself with the business was sit with different departments uh, whenever I had time off. In the beginning, that was quite a bit. So I would sit with, um, with lighting and, and the grip department and hair and makeup or costumes I'd get to sit in on tone on tone meetings and sets and locations meetings. So I wanted to see how all the different parts came together. Um, now I have sort of a, a basic understanding of all of that. So I think later on, if I get the opportunity, I would certainly love to be able to be behind the camera in that aspect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I know besides your credits on, you know, in the closer major crimes, it, we've mentioned mm-hmm. a number of times throughout this that you're still relatively green uh, as far as, you know, television and Hollywood roles. Um mm-hmm. Any interest? 200, 200 episodes. Some of the green is washed off. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, and any interest in possibly making the jump to big screen film sometime in the future? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm always on my agents about you know if anything like that rears its head, I would love to be able to do that. Uh, the good thing and the bad thing about being a series regular, especially with working 
21 to 23 episodes a year is that you don't really have a lot of time off. Um, so it's difficult to schedule other things, which is a bad thing, but it's also a good thing because you're working. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's technically a bit of uh, of job security for you at the moment because oh, definitely the show is still successful, and you know, hopefully, it still goes for a number of more seasons. And with the way that Major Crimes has been going, uh, I'm, we, you know, we're keeping our fingers crossed that it's going to extend past the run of the closer. You know, which was seven and a half years. I think that's a definite possibility, and um, I, for one, would be ecstatic if that happens. <laughs> Yeah, I'm interested here because I don't think I don't know that we've ever talked to a per, to an actor who has played the same character for 12 years. <laughs> That's quite a long time. So I'm wondering like the, time, how yeah. how easy it is, or if there's nuances that you're trying to put into it, or if it's kind of just you kind of are this guy at this point. <laughs> it's interesting when I put on his clothes. Um, that is when the transformation sort of begins. I mean, there's some similarities between he and I, but. Buzz is much more uh, naive than I am, and he's much more of a Boy Scout than I could ever hope to be. Um, <laughs> there, there, there's a quote in Anne Frank's diary that I'm, that I'm going to mangle a little bit, but I think the essence of it is, um, I still believe that people are good at heart, you know, despite everything I've seen. And, and I think Buzz still has that, you know, and he has such a faith in the justice system. It, it's a little interesting to me, given that all he's seen, that he still has this outlook. And... Um, Buzz quite a bit younger than I am, so, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's another element that's interesting to play as well. Yeah. Um, it, it brings up another question that I had as mm. well. I mean, you kind of touched base on it a little bit, too, but how much of yourself do you kind of see in, in Buzz? Hmm. That, that, that's always a good question. Um, I would suppose at, at, its, at its root there are similarities between us in that we do think that most of humanity is, is good. Um, you know, at least there's, there's a hope for that. But I, I think that I am personally a little more cynical than he is. So um, in, in trying to become much more like Buzz. Uh, my friend Raymond, who plays Sanchez on the show, always jokes with me and says, you are so much nastier than Buzz is. You are so mean. <laughs> Buzz is so much nicer than you. <laughs> um. I guess one final question before we start to wrap things up too, and this is just something that, that I'm curious about. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, your character's name is Buzz Watson, and yeah. I, I'm assuming you may have lost count at this point in time how many times you've been referred to or compared to Watson from Sherlock and Watson. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is kind of funny. Although Buzz's first name, his, his, his first name is actually Francis which you can sort of understand why he doesn't use it. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Well, I know as of right now, uh, at the time that we're talking to you, uh, the summer finale is going to be airing tonight. So by the time our listeners get to hear this, uh, we'll have already passed. But, of course, they can catch up on it on demand and, and such as well. Um, when is the show expected to, to return? You know, we haven't been given a date yet, although I know the writers are in the room um, as we speak writing the next eight episodes. I'm not sure how many more that um, they have to finish, but I know they've got eight more on the boards. And when they're going to air, we, we haven't been given the air dates yet. But okay. uh, I know it's not going to be before Christmas. That much I do know. Okay. So we're probably yeah. looking closer into the beginning of next year. I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Because you know, we don't okay. start filming again until January 15th. We're on a brief hiatus right now. Okay. Uh, just to give the writers some time to 
to get away from the actors, if you will, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> to get the breath and, and give us more things to say. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out for when the show returns. It airs Monday nights, 10 o'clock, 9 central on TNT. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we want to send people your way on social media as well. You're okay. at, at Philip Keen on yes. Twitter. Correct. Uh, and, of course, they can follow the show at Major Crimes TNT on Twitter at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Philip, we wish you luck in your audition tonight. We know you have to. You got an audition right after us. And, uh, yeah. We'll keep our fingers crossed for you, and hopefully we get to talk to you again later on down the road after Major Crimes is renewed again and again and again. Yeah, we can cross, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks again for joining us, Philip. This was great. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Take, take care. Yep, have a good one. And we will see you guys next time on the next Showcast Spotlight.